sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Play it. The Cubs win the World Series. You are locked on Cubs. Your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. But we didn't come here to drink beer. We came here to win this ball game. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I said to the Uber boy, I said, take me out with the crowd. What's going on, Cubs fans? You're listening to Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Sean Sears, and on today's episode, we are recapping um, another unfortunate series loss as the Cubs drop two or three against the Braves after a breakout game on Saturday. Looked like the Cubs offense might start turning the corner, possibly, but I think we all kind of knew, maybe possibly, in the back of our heads uh, that this Cubs team, who is notorious for having big breakout games to only scratch across a couple of runs, might rear its ugly head. It did just that on Sundays. The Cubs lose to the exact same score. They beat the Atlanta Braves on Saturday, 13-4. to Um It's the first time the team had done that since 1938 in the same series, lose the two final or have both games end in the same final score. So we're going to do our segment of three things we learned from this weekend from the Cubs, because I don't think we really need to recap this weekend's games. The Cubs dropped Friday's game five to two and then won Saturday, 14 to three, lost Sunday, 14 to three. A big offensive explosion on Saturday. Not so much there on Sunday, but some things to pick apart here. Some things to get excited about. Um, So we're going to touch on some of the three things we learned from this team this week, kind of go through recapping the weekend and that kind of, I guess, mind frame. And then, uh, and then we'll hit a few news bolts here before we wrap up the show. But today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Head to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get yourself 50% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com using promo code LOCKED15. So, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the Cubs lose their fourth straight series. They have yet to win a series since their opening series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, it's been a lot of doom and gloom for the most part. Saturday, like I mentioned, was a little bit more encouraging. The Cubs hit, I believe, six home runs. Uh Two of them coming from Chris Bryant, two of them coming from Wilson Contreras, Javier Baez hit a three-run shot, and then David Bodie got on the board. Sunday's matchup, uh, not so great, unfortunately. The Cubs and Kyle Hendricks more specifically gave up four home runs in the first inning. They were down 6 nothing after the first. A little bit encouraging, though. Anthony Rizzo hit two home runs, both solo shots, but the Cubs did put up two runs in the first inning. It looked like they might make this competitive, but... Uh, Kyle Hendricks only is able to go four innings, allowing seven earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts, the four home runs in the first inning. Alec Mills comes in and doesn't do much better. Five hits, three earned runs. Ryan Tapira in an inning inning of work, just one hit, but three runs given up. Um, He came in to relieve Mills later on in this game, but it it just uh, wasn't great pitching. uh, Kind of fell apart here for the Cubs, and all weekend wasn't necessarily bad, um, and it wasn't necessarily the biggest reason they were losing at different points throughout this game or this series but um this was a Braves team that was coming in and struggling offensively as well Ronald Acuna had pretty much been their only offensive spark plug for the most part and he was having a great season but you could see like uh, Acuna was OPSing just just barely under a thousand I think to come into the series the next closest guy was like 650 um this Braves team is going to be one of the best teams in baseball, or at least one of the better teams in the base in baseball, and should compete for the NL East uh, division title. I think they were probably considered to be the favorites coming into the season. So this is a good Atlanta team. 
um, with an offense that's going to figure things out as they showed on Sunday can really, really smash the ball at different times. But I think if there's one thing we learned from this is uh, truly the Cubs, if they're going to have to win games this year, they're going to have to rely on their offense. They have to score runs. Um, And we've just seen some abysmal performances so far, but we've seen some guys turning the corner. Anthony Rizzo hitting those two solo shots doesn't necessarily mean he's absolutely back, but it's encouraging. It's nice to see Javier Baez has found ways to be productive despite not necessarily being quite the guy we expected him to be. He's still going to have those mistakes. You're going to have to take the good and the bad with Javier Baez. He's going to swing at those pitches that are way out the zone. That's going to happen, but he's going to turn balls that that probably would be pop-outs for most people into three-run shots at different points. So you take the good and the bad. You've got to start understanding that, Cubs fans. Javier Baez is never going to be a perfect player. He's never going to be a disciplined player at the plate. He's never going to be a guy that with you know two strikes is going to t- make an adjustment because that's just not who he is. So getting frustrated that Javier Baez is chasing that 0-2 slider over and over and over again is just going to cause you problems because he's going to do it every time. That's just his approach. There's nothing changing him at this point. That's who this player is. What the positives of that is, is Javi Baez can take a pitch that doesn't necessarily break the way the pitcher's expecting it to and send it 400 plus feet, any direction. So uh, remember that the next time Javi Baez catches one of those sliders that doesn't necessarily break the way he the pitcher's expecting to, and he pulls into the left or goes the other way with it, sends it for a two-run, three-run shot. So uh, you just have to kind of take what those are, the good and the bad with some of these players. But you, you're seeing Wilson Contreras and Chris Bryant, especially these two guys, have, have shown that they're they're right in the thick of it. And Contreras especially has been as big of a catalyst as anyone on this team this year, um, really starting to have some good approaches. You're, you're seeing why David Ross has stuck him at the top of that lineup and kept him there despite some of those early struggles. He's producing some good at-bats right now, and he's really hitting the ball hard. Uh, and we're seeing that. The, the real issue for the Cubs right now is they're just not getting a lot of guys in front of these guys that are hitting home runs. You know, Anthony Rizzo, two solo shots. Obviously, he bats close to the top of the lineup, but you know, second time through the lineup, you got to get people on in front of him. You've got to get you've got to get guys on base. Um, we're not seeing them necessarily do that, but uh, clearly we're, we're seeing the pitching. This is probably the best it's going to be. I mean, obviously Kyle Hendricks isn't going <laughs> to give up four solo or give four home runs in the first inning. That's not going to happen. But um, he'll start to revert back to himself. He always seems to have these slow struggles to start the season, similar to Rizzo. These guys always round into form come May, June, July. That's be that'll be one we'll we'll start to see probably peak Kyle Hendricks and hopefully get an idea of where you can get what what you know I guess what is the absolute most you can get out of this rotation. But I, I think looking at this group now and and trying to tell them they have to limit themselves to four or five six runs a game on a consistent basis is just not going to work. It should be able to you should be able to do that with a major league starting pitching staff, but that's just not going to happen. This group going to have too much volatility, and it doesn't necessarily mean that Trevor Williams or, or Zach Davies is bad, or that Kyle Hendricks can't be a guy you can lean out at the top of your rotation, or Jake Arrieta isn't a solid fourth or fifth guy, or Elk Mills can't be this roving sort of dude that comes in and picks up the innings here and maybe doesn't pitch for a couple days after that. Um, you know, there's there's a way it all works, um, but it is entirely dependent on the Cubs being able to score more than a couple of runs a game. They've got to be able to do that. They've got to get themselves to at least four, four and a half, five runs per game. They have to start getting to that mark to give their pitching staff a real shot to compete because they just don't have those wipeout type guys. 
in their bullpen or in the rotation, especially now with no Adbert Elzele on this rotation. Now. So he'll be back at some point this week. Uh, he had minor league options, so the Cubs are kind of using that opportunity to get another arm up in the pen because, you know, they'll probably get, they're probably going to need it, and they did. So, I mean, if you're looking at this Cubs team right now, I think there's some positives you could take away from the offensive side from a guy like a Chris Bryant or Wilson Contreras, and you're seeing some good things from Javier Baez from time to time. Same with Anthony Rizzo. Um, but, you know, what what are you getting out of Jason Hayward right now? Ian Happ, after a great 2020 season, isn't quite looking like the Ian Happ we stall start the season last year. Jason Hayward not necessarily having a great a great season in right field. Defensively, he has, but at the plate, not so great. Jock Peterson hit a triple on Sunday, and we did see him catch uh, cash in on a homer earlier last week against the Brewers. But, um, yeah, man, some of his, his bats have looked nasty. Uh, he's had a really hard time on the inside corner with changeups and cutters. It feels like he's expecting those pitches to come in. Instead, they're just sitting on that inside corner, and he's either just missing it, swinging too late, realizing it's going to get called a strike, or he's looking at it. Um, so that's an issue, but we've seen, he's one of the few guys teams have not attacked the high part of the strike zone yet because they know Peterson annihilates high fastballs, um, which is uh, this Cubs team's kryptonite right now, but we didn't see them swinging through too many pitches on Saturday or even Sunday too. I, I was happy with some of the, the approaches they had on Sunday. It wasn't necessarily just doom and gloom, awful swinging at nothing, guessing and, you know, missing nonsense. It, that didn't quite happen on Saturday, especially Saturday, but on Sunday either, um, See, you take the good with the bad, I guess. I I don't know. This should be a good Atlanta team, but this wasn't a team that was hitting relatively well. It felt like this was a time for the Cubs to take advantage of a team that is eventually going to be one of the better teams in baseball. There's no way they're going to sit at 7-9 being tied for, with the, the Marlins or a game and a half, or half game back in the Marlins for third place. They're going to find a way to be at top of this division at some point. Um, there's too much talent here. You would normally say the same for the Cubs, but... Man, it's just hard to get excited about this team right now um, just because we've, we've seen the same type of issues all of last season throughout pretty much even during that 13 game, uh, that 13 and three start. We knew the Cubs were going to come back down to earth at some point, um, but none of this offense has been necessarily impressive. Even Saturday's game, we were watching some of this happen and uh, I was saying to myself, man, this was a, the, the Cubs needed this more than anything else. And man, is it fun to watch them hit home runs, but uh, what's going to happen when the Cubs aren't hitting home runs? And we kind of saw that on Sunday. Rizzo hits two solo shots. They're able to scrape across two more runs beyond those solo shots. It's not going to cut it. The Cubs, one thing I will say that I was impressed with the first couple se- games of the season is even when the Cubs weren't necessarily you know getting those good at-bats or, or finding ways to get guys on base, when they did get runners in scoring position early on those first three games of the season – Felt like they were taking approaches to to have productive outs to move those guys around to get a run across. Um, that's key, and it hasn't felt like that's necessarily happened. But the Cubs also haven't put themselves in too many situations where they've had an opportunity to get a productive out to produce a run or get a guy in scoring position. Or when the Cubs have put runners in scoring position again, haven't been able to come through. Haven't been able to execute. There were a couple times in the Saturday's game that felt like a big inning was brewing, and they did get, you know, they did have some big innings, scored five runs and four runs in a couple innings, but um, it felt like there were moments where the Cubs could have continued to add on, continue to build off this offensive spark, and it just didn't quite happen. And it's not necessarily like you needed those runs there, but you want to see the Cubs be able to create runs when they're not driving the ball over the fence. That's something we need to see from this team, and we haven't quite seen it yet. 
How does that happen? It's not necessarily you can tell guys to stop hitting home runs. You've got to get guys on base. More people have to get on base. The Cubs have to be able to pick up more than four or five, six hits in a game. It just can't happen. They can't rely solely off of their four hits they're getting off the season to be timed up perfectly with when the Cubs happen to walk, you know, get two guys to walk beforehand. That can't happen. How does that change? The Cubs need to get more aggressive, and they need to stop missing pitches in the zone. And ultimately, the contact numbers have to continue to climb. They're going up ever so steadily, but we're still seeing the Cubs have one of the worst contact rates in baseball right now. We're still seeing them strike out nearly 30% of their bats, and their walk rate is still hovering around 8 9% right now. That's pretty good, but when you're striking out nearly 30% of the time and you've got a batting average of about a buck 50, it's not it's just not going to cut it. So, the Cubs momentarily after Saturday's game did jump above one of the teams to be the second worst offense in baseball by like one OPS point, but after Sunday's loss have fallen back to the doldrums of being now the worst team in baseball, according to OPS right now. So offensively at least. So um, what needs to happen for this Cubs team to find success? They have to score runs. They have to score runs. I know that's a stupid thing to say because of course you need to score runs to win a baseball game, but the Cubs have to be one of the top offenses in baseball for everything else to work. They can't be middle of the pack. They can't be, you know, middling, bottom portion. They can't even be top 10. They have to be one of the best offenses in baseball for this team to have success. We're not seeing it, and that makes me think trades are coming. It's early on in the season. The Cubs have the same mantra. Jed Hoyer has said the same thing over and over and over again, but you're noticing that guys are making comments now with, like, you know, at some point you can't just push this off a small sample size. I'm paraphrasing what Jed Hoyer essentially said something to the line of that. I can't find the quote in front of me, but, uh, you know, it's at, at some point, this isn't just small sample size. You can't just wipe it away with a, as such. We're seeing an offense that was not very effective last year, struggling again this year with the same issues they've struggled from last year to 2019, even portions of 2018. This is an old narrative that hasn't changed. And I think that's where everyone's kind of at the point of beyond frustration because this team to win baseball games, as they've currently constructed, has to score five runs a game. Realistically, to feel comfortable about a lead, you have to score five runs a game. That's not happening. It doesn't happen. It hasn't happened in years. When will that happen? I don't know, but this clearly is not the group that's going to get it done at this point. This is the offense production we're going to see. Anthony Rizzo hitting a couple solo shots here and there, trying to pick his team up. Chris Bryant and Wilson Contreras trading off nights where they're the hero, but... If nothing is happening in between those four bats, what are we doing? Why is Nico Horner not up on this roster? What exactly is this team trying to accomplish right now when you've got essentially all the same batter profile types throughout this lineup, all struggling across the board around roughly the same thing, missing pitches in the zone, getting behind in counts, then striking out or making poor contact on pitches that are not in the zone. What can you do? So for this team, Two win baseball games, five-plus runs a game has to become the norm. If that does not happen, this team does not win above 80 games this year. Cut and dry. Simple as that. The pitching is not good enough for it. The bullpen can pull off as much as they want to in terms of you know having li- relievers turn into something more than the Cubs expect them to be, something more than entire MLB expected to be. The Cubs could have the best bullpen in baseball, but if they're going to scratch across two, three runs a game, these starters are not going to be able to perform at that level with that margin of error on a consistent basis enough to at least consider you could get to 85 90 wins it's not going to happen so what needs to happen 
all these guys are, that they're paying in this lineup need to start hitting. And it doesn't necessarily need to be you're crushing the baseball, but stop striking out. Stop staring at these pitches. Stop trying to have the approach. You're running the pitch count up against these pitchers because it does not matter right now. You are missing pitches in the zone. You're not missing pitches and swinging and missing at bad balls. You are missing pitches that you are supposed to be driving. Mistake pitches. Good executed pitches that you can hit. Chris Bryant was doing that on Saturday. Two, his fastballs, both of them, the fastballs he hit for home runs, high and tight. He got up and high on those balls. That launch angle that everyone complains about. He can't touch the top of the strike zone. Nailed two home runs into the outfield. Chris Bryant's been struggling on that pitch quite a bit. Got to it twice. That's big. Chris Bryant continue to handle those high fastballs. That helps us line up a little bit, but the rest of this team needs to start hitting the balls that are in the strike zone and getting themselves into better counts. It's not so much about seeing pitches right now as it is hitting the pitches you were supposed to hit and not swinging at the pitches you're not supposed to swing at. The best way to do that, get yourself in count leverage. If that's not going to happen, you need to attack the pitches you were seeing early on and do damage early on. That has to be your approach. If you can't do that, you've got issues as a baseball club. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced in the limited edition designs at a fair price point. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagements, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and is fairly priced. So you can give her something special and truly meaningful. When I was looking through some of the rings, Michelle uh, Fontachi, I hope I say, I'm saying that right. The, her ring stood out as something I would buy. Actually, it looked like a cool conversational piece, but they're very cool, unique, different, something you wouldn't see other places. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring you'll treasure that she'll treasure forever, you'll definitely want to go check this out. They won't be around long, so make sure you're, you're heading to BlueNile.com now and searching the words 10 by 10 to check out some of the latest rings they have to offer. Mother State's just around the corner, folks. Hey, Lockdown fans. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real updates on odds and props on Almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use the mobile app device to sign up today and receive 50% off on a welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. The Lockdown Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Lockdown NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about the live NFL Draft coverage. So here in the second segment, we are talking about Chris Bryant for a second because I love Chris Bryant. And I think we can officially say that 2021 is the official Chris Bryant revenge season. Revenge, revenge season tour Get your tickets now. KB's coming to your stadiums and hitting some bombs. I'm calling it now. But as great as it was to see Chris Bryant you know, continue to build off of the strong uh, first week performance here that he had so far, Wilson Contreras is my pick for the Lockdown Cubs Player of the Week. Uh, 
Contreras had, of course, the two-run shot against Milwaukee, kicked off the offensive explosion on Saturday, and has been every bit of a catalyst for this Cubs offense. Um, He's an emotional leader. He's a guy that, through this last week, had been plunked seven times uh, so far to start the season and was really kind of wearing those emotions to do all this while also dealing with that silly suspension, or not suspension, but the fine he was dealing with, um, the suspension that came for Ross, and now... uh, Ryan Tapir, who has appealed that suspension, um, you know, it's a lot to weigh on a guy like Contreras, who not only is considered, you know, one of the better backstops in, in baseball and one of the key players of this Cubs team, but he's he's one of the best players offensively on this team and is seen as a guy that, you know, when tough times happen on this club, the Cubs hope that they can lean on him. And I think it could have been really easy for Contreras to get lost in the sight of all of that, to be dealing with the emotional side of baseball kind of not necessarily coming at him, but not coming to his defense either um, in regards to what he was dealing with, getting hit. Um, what baseball did was basically punish the Cubs for retaliating. And uh, while I understand that to an extent, the Cubs shouldn't be ha- shouldn't have had to throw and shouldn't be throwing at anyone in general. I think that doesn't fix anything either. Um, what baseball did, though, was basically point the finger at Contreras and the Cubs and say, hey, guys, you can't do that. And it's like, well, hey, guys, this guy's been hit seven times by this particular or this season, and and has been hit ten times in the last so many matchups against the Brewers. This, this is clearly, whether they're meaning to or not, it's become an issue and something that should be addressed. Is As Kyle, is, uh, excuse me, Zach, geez, too many Kyles and Davids. Uh, David Ross mentioned uh, earlier last week, you know, if you can't throw inside, you don't get to throw inside. If that's an issue where you're starting to hit guys and and, and it's really becoming a safety hazard, because it has been. I mean, you know, Devin Williams needs to control his 98 mile an hour two seat. If he can't do that, you don't get to throw that pitch. You know, that ball was a couple inches away from striking Contreras the right way. And he maybe never plays baseball game and maybe never walks again. Uh, You know, this is a serious thing. And I think someone pointed out the. I forget who said this exactly, but uh, it might have been David Ross himself, too. But if the Brewers had been dealing with Christian Yelich getting hit in 10 times in the last how many ever series is against the Cubs, the tune would be immensely different, immensely different. Um, but it's Wilson Contreras. And he's a hothead. And there's a lot of times people can kind of write that off as like, oh, well, you know, he was probably saying something or he was doing something or he's overreacting. No, this guy's just been getting hit. And if you've noticed, Contreras has been getting hit so much the last couple of years, he's truly had to start wearing an elbow protector because he keeps getting smacked in the elbow. Uh, that wasn't something he wore just two seasons ago. If you guys remember, he used to wear that neon yellow or the flag colored uh, sleeve on his left arm. Not anymore. He's full on elbow, uh, back tricep protector as well as some part of your forearm too it's a big hulking elbow protector that he's got pieces jetting off from the top and bottom to protect portions of his arm and his upper arm itself so like i mean this is a guy that's getting hit quite a bit so for him to deal with all that all the emotions of of just getting smacked by the same team multiple times and then on top of all that this cubs team not doing anything offensively um for him to kind of just deal with all that and channel channel it into a, a really impressive week for the Cubs. Despite the wins not coming across, it was not Wilson Contreras' fault. I mean, he had such a good week that people are now, we're seeing articles, I saw an article from uh, Gordon Whitmire from NBC Sports talking about how, you know, maybe the Cubs should re- re-sign Wilson Contreras. And, you know, 
three, four months ago, I read an article from NBC Sports talking about how Contreras was probably their best trade asset. <laughs> um, but both could be correct. I mean, both. It's not like you can't make the uh, the uh, make the argument for one without the other or whatnot. You can do both, but. Um, you just silly. It, it's crazy how things change so quickly. But I, I have to give a shout out to Contreras for what he was dealing with, what this club was dealing with, for him to step up the way he did. I think that was big. And I, uh, I'm i excited to see what Willie can do with this offense, hopefully. We don't want to necessarily say they turned a corner in Atlantic because they most certainly did not against the Braves. But let's hope for better results here as an offense. We've at least seen produce something this year. What's going on, guys? Sean Sears here from Lockdown Cubs, here to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar, of course, one of the best-tasting protein bars out there, but they've got six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisps, to go along with some of my favorites, which are the double chocolate, mint brownie, I like peanut butter, the raspberry chocolate one are great. I'm a big chocoholic. I love chocolate. That's what makes these bars so great. Each one is 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft, easy to chew. They don't have big, chalky, chunky pieces of like oat and whatnot. It's just a bar. It's soft. It tastes good. And it's great for the health conscious guy. I know my myself, I feel bad when I go in the morning and grab a donut or go and get, you know, coffee cake from somewhere. I feel bad about eating it. I feel bad later on because I'm not getting much energy. It kind of just, you know, you get that 2, 3 p.m. crash. Not with Built Bar. Take, for instance, the peanut butter bar. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugars, 5 grams of net carbs. That is a bar that tastes good and can be good for you. But right now, Built Bar has a special promo right now. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get yourself 15% off your next order when you go to BuiltBar.com. And right now, Built Bar is also including a free cooler with purchase. That is while supplies last. Make sure you head to BuiltBar.com as quickly as you can. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get yourself 15% off at BuiltBar.com, the best tasting protein bars you will ever have. Today through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysts and NFL experts including Michael Irvin, Jason California, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts from every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Odyssey is your home for all sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. So in this third and final segment, we're going to kind of go quick here. Javier Baez reportedly turned down an extension worth $180 million per Buster Olney of ESPN. Um, and the quote from Olney kind of just dropped this in on an article about the Braves saying a problem for Javier Baez is that his poor 20 perform- 2020 performance followed the negotiation that concluded with him passing up a Cubs offer somewhere in the range of $180 million. Whoa. Okay. Um, so I guess I'm I'm not necessarily surprised at the offer. I, I I think 180 is probably a little bit more than I would have expected Bias to get. It's really close to the Xander Bogarts deal that uh that Brett Taylor points out in uh, this Bleacher Nation article here that we're talking about the extension. Um, you know, I yikes! I for Bias's sake that I I hope that isn't necessarily true. That's tough. But at the end of the day, we're talking about Bias being a guy who you know ultimately is a glove first guy. Uh, whether you want to include his offensive proudness like obviously Baez can be an absolute superstar on both sides of the ball whether that's in the field or at the plate but I think if you're looking at him and is what he'll bring to you at an age 29 season as a free agent going into the probably will be the prime of his career um, you're looking at him as a glove first guy with some 
real risks on the offensive end, but some real, you know, obviously insane power when he can make contact. Pretty much the issue is just whether or not he has a strong enough ability to make contact on pitches. Uh, his contact rate has really fluctuated over these last couple of years. And while it's never been anything impressive, uh, these last couple of seasons we're seeing Baez really just not have that eye at the plate. Um, more so than he has had before. And what's weird is that we saw in 2020 last year him start taking more pitches, looking at more strike threes. And we've seen that approach kind of carry over to some extent in this season. There's still the aggressive swinging bias, but it feels like he's guessing a lot of times. And I don't know if maybe bias just needs to adjust to how teams are attacking him right now because he has been fooled quite a bit through 2021 this year, it feels like, where he you know, expecting two-seamer, got the slider, expecting slider away, gets two-seamer twice to end an inning. Um, it feels like teams have him thinking, and I, I think what's best for Baez, because I, I understand discipline has always been an issue with his approach at the plate, um, but I, I think the best approach for Javier Baez is to just be innate, just to react, just be a ball player, because that's when we've seen Baez at his best, when he's not necessarily overthinking a play, he's reacting and let the play come to him in the field when he's at the plate, when he's not necessarily trying to jump on a pitch or expecting a different pitch, when he's just reacting. A lot of times he makes those best the, the best approach at the plate. He has the best contact. He's got such strong, fast hands through the zone. You can allow Baez to make those adjustments sometimes, and while it doesn't always work out in the way you want it to, I think that type of bias and the approach that he would have at the plate in those type of, like, it's that mindset at the plate is going to be more productive, I think, just for a guy like him. Because I don't think you look at bias and you say to him, this is what you need to do every year. This is a guy that will just make plays for you. You need to build around a Javier bias. I don't think he can be a cornerstone type of piece necessarily just because that offensive end. I mean, we've seen, I mean, obviously a, mere, a near MVP season in 2018 followed up with a Pretty not so great, but okay 2019 season. Obviously hurt a little bit. Um, and then 2020, obviously garbage. This season hasn't looked very, very great either. But, um, you know, it at the end of the day, Baez is probably who he is at this point, which is a hard-swinging shortstop that can play elite-level defense. Um, and when he does make contact, he does seem to strike the ball relatively hard. That doesn't necessarily have to translate into home runs, though. We've seen Baez just have some of the absolute smoke some singles that just drive in runs those are the approaches we need to see bias have and he's had those a couple times this year and i like that it's not necessarily trying to get up on a, a high fat or a, a you know tight fastball in the inside corner or he's trying to get in front of the slider um he's just reacting to those pitches and just putting a good swing on that ball because he hits it so damn hard <laughs> He doesn't necessarily have to elevate that pitch. Sometimes you just smash a ball at a guy, especially with a guy like Javier Baez, like that single that Ronald Acuna had on Saturday that everyone stopped for a second and was like, holy crap. I think it was the hardest hit ball in the season at 115 miles an hour. It was a one-hopper single into left field where Ian Happ was playing at that point. Um, but I think everyone was kind of like, whoa, holy crap. He smoked that ball. <laughs> You don't necessarily have to get underneath the pitch to do damage on it. And I think that's the approach Bias needs to start adopting. It's not so much about annihilating pitches as it is just hitting the ball hard into a spot. Going the other way with the pitch. Taking what they give you. Sometimes if they don't give you strikes, Javi, you can walk. It's okay. You don't have to smash the ball in the wavelength every time. And he's not necessarily trying to do that. I'm being facetious. But it does feel like that sometimes. And it can be hard to watch sometimes. So... 
for our sake and everyone else's sake, I hope Baez didn't get an offer like that because I'm not sure he's going to get much better, especially if the numbers continue to play out the way they have so far this season. But he's taking, he's betting on himself, and he's obviously he's already talked about how he doesn't want to leave Chicago. He wants to come play for the Cubs, but he already has, you know, in his mindset, thought about how he would approach free agency should he get there. But man, I uh, I have a hard time seeing Baez getting anything better than 180 million. Um, it sounds like it was a nine-year deal, 180 million. Somewhere I would guess somewhere between six and nine if it's going to be close to the AAV that Bogart's gotten his deal. I don't see him getting anything better than that. I think even that's probably maybe a little bit of an overpay on the Cubs end if you want to even say so. But yeah, I don't. I don't see Bias getting two hundred million um, from another team. I don't see it going any higher than two hundred million. I think one hundred eighty million is probably even maybe even just a little bit more than uh, what he would have gotten. But it, it it's you know. It, pre-pandemic or you know we're a couple years after the pandemic you could probably see a guy like Baez easily break 200 million for sure uh that's not going to happen right now though and it's definitely not going to come from the Cubs so I uh I don't know I hope I hope Baez can work something out with the Cubs I hope they can maybe get a deal done and he could stay because I don't want to see him play for another team but I also I can't I, I can't see Baez making more than 180 million right now I just don't see how a deal comes about like that, at least not at this point, maybe after a strong 2021, but we're not seeing that either right now. But that will do it here for today's episode of Locked on Cubs. Before we go, let's do a quick division standings. As it currently stands now, the Cincinnati Reds lead the NL Central at 9-6, and six. Milwaukee at 8-7, a game back. The Cardinals at 7-8, and eight, they are two games back. Pittsburgh in fourth place at 7-9, two and a half games back, and the Cubs 6-9 are last place, just three games out of their division right now. Um, still, things can change. You know, we're a week out, a week of good play against the Mets who are coming up here. Uh, maybe that changes things. Milwaukee shortly after them at home, too. So maybe the Cubs can get some good home cooking, flip these the script around, and suddenly we're not talking about the offensive woes. But um, something tells me that's not how things are going to play out here, unfortunately. But <laughs> we appreciate you guys sticking around. As always, make sure you are following us on Twitter at LockdownCubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. And then make sure you're following us on whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Spotify, Apple, TuneIn app, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the Odyssey app. Uh, wherever you listen, make sure you are following us and you leave a five-star review. But you guys enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, go Cubs.